For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done. Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. See ebaymotors.com. Hey everyone, welcome back to Believe in Everything Ole Miss. I'm your host, Jordan Dollinger, and I'm so excited to roll out a new series with you guys starting this week. It's a new year, so it's time for some brand new guests on the show, and today we're kicking things off with a former Rebel who just so happens to be a three-time Olympian. Before we get into it, make sure that you are subscribed wherever you listen to podcasts so new episodes will download automatically each week so you never miss out on anything Ole Miss. Friendly reminder from our partners that football might be over, but the NBA, college basketball, and the NHL are in full swing, and the only place you should be betting on these sports is over at betonline.ag. If you aren't up for that just yet, you can still get in on all the action over at BetOnline because they even cover award shows, reality TV, and other TV shows, so you can choose from hundreds of props with real-time odds on almost anything you can imagine. And of course, there's always the 24-hour online casino. Head to betonline.ag on your computer or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. That's betonline.ag, your online sportsbook experts. Now to the moment that you guys are all here for. I am joined today by American long jumper, Olympic gold medalist, and eight-time world champion, Brittany Reese. Welcome to the show. Thank you for being here. Thanks for having me. I'm excited about it. I'm going to jump right into it. You have had such an incredible career and you've achieved so much, but I want to start at the beginning. You are from Inglewood, California, and you ended up in Mississippi. So how did that come to be? When did you move? Tell me about that. And how did you first get your start in athletics? Yeah. So for me, I usually just say I'm from Gulfport because I, I moved from Inglewood, California at the age of like two. So I didn't know much about California. So when I came to Gulfport, it was like at, at a very young age. So what was it like for you getting your start in athletics? Did you, were you from an athletic family? Did you always know that you wanted to be involved in sports? And did that start when you were young or did it kind of start in high school? I think it's kind of started for me in fourth grade was when I started my playing basketball in the little league. Um, I don't think I'm necessarily from a, a sports background type family, but my grandfather was the one who introduced me to sports. He used to be a coach um, around the community. And my, I have a few uncles that played, you know, high school basketball thing, but my mom and dad were not 
athletic at that, that point. I would say around the fourth grade is when I started basketball. I started track and field in the seventh grade. I've played basketball and I ran track in the, in the seventh grade and then I ran cross country in high school. Yeah, those a little like, bit of everything. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I mean, I, was, I'm, I love sports and I think I, I got that from my grandfather for sure. So you know how a lot of times parents will just put their kids in every sport. Like I played every sport. I was a cheerleader and then I played soccer and then I played softball and then I did all of these things. Was it like that for you or did you always gravitate towards those things in particular? I think for me, I gravitated. Um, My mom was a single mom and she worked so much. My grandfather was the one that took care and took me to my practices and things like that. Uh, I think I just more so gravitated because I wanted something to do. I feel like sports was was my way of just not being at the house a lot. So in high school, you become Mississippi's state champion in the long jump and the triple jump. Yes. Yes, correct. Yes. So do you remember what year in high school you were, what age you were at that time and what that felt like? Because you had to, I mean, you were a teenager. So what did something like that feel like? It's crazy because, you know, I was only running track to stay in shape for basketball. Like, again, my grandfather was that told me I needed to run track because it gives me that opportunity to be on the court more when I'm playing basketball and I don't get as tired. So I just was doing track for fun. I didn't think I started taking it serious until about the 12th grade. And when I realized my potential in the long jump, because I didn't do long jump until the 11th grade, I was always a sprinter. Once I got that opportunity to do long jump in 11th grade, I didn't realize how good I was until like the 12th grade until I actually won. So just being able to, I didn't know how to accept it because again, my, my love is basketball. So I didn't know too much about track and field, but I definitely was uh, happy about being an athlete that has won state because I knew that was a huge accomplishment. So at that moment in the 12th grade, when you're like, Hey, I'm actually really good at this. Was there a moment that something clicked for you deciding that, hey, I want to be a professional athlete or I want to be an Olympian? Or did you just know that you just wanted to continue what you were doing into college and see where it went? So for me, I always wanted to be an Olympian, but I didn't think again, I didn't think it was track and field. I wanted to play basketball. I was, I watched track and field at the Olympics and I had my, like the people that I like to watch was Jackie John Kersey and those type of people. Um, I watched them at the Olympics, like everybody watches the Olympics and track and field is the main event at the Olympics. So I always watched it. But I always thought that I was going to exceed that and go to basketball. So the light bulb didn't really click for me until I got to Ole Miss. I knew that I was really good at, at track. I didn't know. Again, I did not know the extent of how good. Because I, I was the number one jumper coming out of high school in the nation. I did not know that. <laughs> I was the Gatorade Athlete of the Year. I did not know anything about track and how well I was. So after graduating from high school, you go to Mississippi Gulf Coast Community College for two Correct. years where you play basketball and you were inducted into their sports hall of fame in 2011. Correct. Congratulations. Thank so you. So you were saying that you originally started doing track because you wanted to stay in shape for basketball. Correct. So was there a definitive switch when you went to Ole Miss? Did mm-hmm. you know that that was going to be the end of basketball and the start of focusing on track and field events or was it a fluid you were kind of figuring out what was going to work the funny thing is I tried to try out for the Ole Miss basketball team when I got to to Ole Miss and my coach shut that down quickly he was like no yeah and because the the coach at the time Renee she is from my hometown 
she's from Gulfport, and I used to go to her basketball camps as a kid. So I, I've known her like all my life. So she was one of the people that also reached out to me when she heard I was coming and asked me, did I want to come try out and be on the team? But Coach Joe Walker told me that's not happening. I, and I just, I let it go. And I just started to focus straight on just track and field. Did you always want to go to Ole Miss? In, in high school, I had offers everywhere. Any school, I could have went to any school. But I think I was drawn, my family was drawn to Ole Miss. When I took my visit there, it was a no-brainer that that's where I was going to I was gonna go. My mom was the head decision maker, we can put it that way. Um, I enjoyed it. The coaches sold me. The campus sold me. I just knew once I stepped foot on there and talked to everybody and saw the campus that that was where I wanted to be. That's typically how it goes, right? It I feel is, like I've heard right, that. Yeah. Don't, that's why they say don't take a visit. <laughs> that is exactly why they say that, because that exact same thing happened to me. I was dead set on an in-state school. And one yeah. of my friends said, will you please just come with me? My parents are making me visit. I don't want to go by myself. Just please come with me for the weekend. <laughs> I said, what's in Mississippi? Like, okay, I guess I'll go visit with you. And then I got back from the visit and I said, dad, we have a situation. <laughs> I like it. <laughs> so that's why they say don't visit unless no, you are yeah. ready to go. <laughs> exactly. So you went on to Ole Miss after your two years in Gulfport. And I want to know about your experiences at Ole Miss, not only as a student athlete, but just as a resident of Oxford. So I got my degree in English with a minor in psychology, but I lived in Oxford after I turned professional early, I did do two years at Ole Miss and I turned professional early when I was still a junior and I decided to stay. I love everything about it. The campus, the people, a small town, that's something that I gravitate more towards. I don't like really big cities, even though I'm in a big city right now, but I'm not really a big city person. So just being around those type of people and just seeing the love that everyone around have for Ole Miss and how they're really driven towards that school and they're real supportive towards that school and, you know, and anybody that's there in that area. So I just love being there. I love the people and the food. I'm a Southern girl and I love going to food, going to get some food uh, over there. So uh, Ole Miss has been a real big part of my success and I, I have nothing but love and respect for that, that school and, and everybody around there. What were some of your favorite things that stood out to you that you feel like other than going to practice and things like that is different between student athletes and just regular students? I'm going to go back again to support. The school loves sports so much and they really do gravitate towards student athletes. There was nothing that like for scheduling all around, just anything that the track team needed. I mean, we all know football is big there, but they love all sports in general. So I always, I will, I will just say the support of the, the community, the support of the fans, the support of the staff, they're unbelievable when it comes to student athletes. They try to make sure we're, we're included in a lot of things because we're going a lot. And the teachers also, like, they were real supportive and understanding of, you know, we're not going to be here certain days and working with us and working with our coaches and our staff that helped us with the the school and getting us tutors and things like that. So I can definitely say the supportive staff. So while attending Ole Miss, you win two SEC championships for the indoor and outdoor long jump, the NCAA indoor and outdoor long jump, and the indoor high jump championships. You also win your first USA track championships. So many accomplishments. 
Yes. So tell me how it feels walking around campus. You see all these people and you're like, oh, everyone cares about the football team, but I have so many championships and you're just like walking to the union. And I mean, how cool is that? It's cool. It's still, it's like you said, football rings, football, basketball, baseball rings, illness. And you know, you don't, it's just a sport in general. It's, it's happens to me now. I have eight, I have 10 medals and I can go to the grocery store and nobody knows the type of accomplishments I had. So it was the same thing as Ole Miss, but I will say when I got inducted into the Hall of Fame at Ole Miss, I, I did get the loudest claps. You know, I was, I was really excited about that. <laughs> if I were so, you, I would have worn all my medals to every <laughs> class. When they when they call your name, would have been like here, and all my medals are here too with me. They're all yeah, here. Some, some of the people in the classroom knew who I was. Some people didn't, and you know it comes with the sport. Now I understand. I, I'm low key. I don't tell anybody my accomplishments. I my medals are put up somewhere, so you know I don't I don't really brag about my achievements. How do you keep yourself performing at such a high level? I know you mentioned and you touched on how supportive. Ole Miss was in terms of athletics, but do you think in your case, and just in terms of student athletes in general, do you think it is the university is that main propellant? Or do you think it is you yourself, you were driven, or do you think it's a combination of the both? What do you think? Yeah, I feel like it's a combination of both. I have to have that drive to succeed. I have to have that motivation to succeed, but you also have to have people that help you along the way. We're on the field by ourselves. But if you don't have that supportive staff and those people that are helping you along the way, then you can't really be successful. So while I was at Ole Miss and my professional career, but still living and practicing at Ole Miss, when I won my 2012 Olympics, I was at Ole Miss. And so just having that supportive staff and having my own self being driven and knowing my, my accomplishments and my goals that I wanted to succeed, all that put together, it was a winning combination and was able to help me be to where I am today. So you mentioned the 2012 Olympics, and we're definitely going to talk about that. But first, I want to back up a little bit to your very first experience at the Olympics ever. Your first appearance is at 2008, which is the Beijing Games. And you don't place at this very first Olympics. You don't get a medal. And at the U.S. Olympic trials that summer to qualify for the Olympics, you actually set a personal best in the long jump to qualify, which you extended twice by the time you get to the world championships in 2009, not only winning, but bringing you third on the American all-time list and surpassing the defending champion at the time. So your first Olympics, Mm -hmm. I'm sure it goes without saying you're so nervous. (laughs) <laughs> nervous is exactly this the word yes you're just short of meddling mm-hmm. do you think it was a nerve do you think it was a lack of experience what do you think that it was that that first olympics didn't go the way that you planned yeah i think it was my second team i had made my first team in 2007 it was my second team but my first Olympic, like you said for me i think it wasn't nerves it was lack of experience and not being in that environment i was projected to get third uh, believe it or not. And I believe it. You know, yeah. <laughs> My young self projected third and not getting that, not being able to be on that middle stand was for me an eye opener, but it also was motivation to let me know that I can compete with the best, which was one of the reasons why I decided to turn pro was to be on that level. It was a learning experience. And from there on, I was able to be successful because I was able to take that disappointment and turn it into something positive. 
So you win in 2009 world championship, you win gold at 2010 world championship, and then you keep that gold medal for three consecutive years, winning in 2011, 12, and 13. After your second win in 2012, you became the first woman to win back-to-back world indoor titles in the long jump and set the indoor American record, which you still hold to this day. I don't have any (laughs) records. So you... (laughs) You also go on to win gold at the London 2012 Olympic Games. So it's safe to say that 2012 is a great year for you. Yes. yes. So it seems that not placing in 2008 really lit that fire and channeled all of your success over those next few years. So can you walk me through those few years, what it was like for you coming home from Beijing? Did you know right then and there, oh, I'm going to the next Olympics and I'm winning and I'm winning everything between then and now. So what were you thinking? How did you manage to go from no podium to the very top? So in 2008, after I placed fifth, I think I'm fourth now considering because we had a, a, a drug cheat, but Placing fifth on the ride back, I was devastated. I was crying. I just sat on the bus crying and just thinking of how I felt. And I told myself I didn't want to feel that way ever again. And I've made a promise to myself that from here on out, I will never get left off a podium again. So I went back and talked to Coach Walker, who was, you know, still the uh, oldest track coach, and just basically told him, whatever you got, throw it at me. I want to do anything to not feel like that again. So we worked hard. I was able to get, and with the USA track and field, they do a lot of biomechanics. I went and, you know, saw some biomechanics of my jumps. Um, I was able to get film on my jumps and was able to see where I needed the most work at. At that time, it was my landing. So we decided just to get faster. And I saw a nutritionist, site psychologist. I saw anybody that I thought would help me succeed and kept that same team all the way to 2012 and I felt like that pushed me uh, above the edge just maintaining that that steadiness with the team and and maintaining getting faster while also working on my uh, approach uh, helped a lot you were not messing around you said get me the nutritionist get me those biomechanics (laughs) we we went in depth on everything to try to make sure that I was and I was young in the sport also so I could I could be able to branch out on different things and try different things because I was still kind of brand new in the sport. Are most people at that level around the same age as you? Or were you the baby of the group? At that time, I was the baby of the group, actually. Yeah, I was the baby of the group. Yeah, I think I was the youngest out of, out, even out of the out of the competition overseas, all the international athletes, I think I was kind of one of the youngest so not only is it nerve wracking enough to just be there, now you're the youngest. So now, of course, it's that yeah. added layer of pressure. Because exactly. everyone's... So all the people that I'm watching, that I was watching, I'm now in that, in on the runway with those exact same people. It was kind of intimidating at first, you know, but I got over it. Yeah, it seems like you did. <laughs> so between your fantastic year in 2012 and the next Olympic Games, you won two more world championships before heading to the Rio Games in 2016, where you took home a silver medal for the U.S. Of all of the Olympics, regardless of the outcome between Beijing, London, and Rio, what city was your favorite and what were some of your favorite experiences there? I need to know the details about the Olympic Village. (laughs) Is it as bad as they say? Is it as great as they say? So for me, 
regardless of metals, I would say Beijing was set up for us perfectly. The village was, I was able to walk in with the basketball team and I snuck myself in there because <laughs> I wanted to walk in with some famous people that I knew they were going to be on TV. So <laughs> you're so, like, mom, yeah. listen. I'm going to be on TV, but I'm with basketball. Just don't say anything. It's fine. I tried to like, me and a couple other people were trying to like walk real slow so we can get in with the basketball team. But from the opening ceremonies, from the village, the way the village was set up, from the way we got to experience going to other, other events, I will say Beijing by far was, was one of my better experiences um, at the Olympics. Now London is my favorite because I obviously I won, but as far as experience and being able to to go see things, the wall, the Great Wall of China, mm-hmm. those type of things, being able to just go around and just detail that they put into everything was spot on. I cannot disagree at all. Had you ever been to any of those cities prior? I don't think I had been to, no, I don't think I had been to Beijing uh, at the time. So Beijing, favorite city and experience, but London mm-hmm. probably takes the cake. London takes the cake, yeah, because of the metal, exactly. <laughs> so you won another world championship in 2017. Mm-hmm. The last one that you attended was in 2019. Correct. You are so talented. You are a three-time Olympian, a gold medalist, a silver medalist. You've been to eight world championships. You have six gold medals from those. You're a Nike yes. athlete. You've been featured in the LA Times, the Associated Press, the Daily Telegraph, and now this podcast, which is just the top <laughs> of the list. Exactly. So what okay. is next for you? Last summer, you yeah. tweeted, I'm going to be a head track coach one day. You're currently yes. an assistant coach? I'm not anymore because I, okay. I stopped to get my master's degree. So I have so, my master's And she has her master's, everyone. <laughs> in, case, in case there was something you didn't think she could do. So is that still the plan? Do you want to be a head track coach one day? Where do you see yourself in the next few years, either to accomplish for the sport or for you personally? And if you are going to be a head track coach, mm-hmm. it has to be at Ole Miss. I said it. There. Yeah. Hey. I said it. That's the ultimate goal. That's the ultimate goal. But yeah, um, for me, what's going on right now is I'm training for my last Olympic. When I first found out that the Olympics wasn't going to be next last year, like everybody else, I was devastated because you put in so much work and I was jumping unbelievable in practice to where I was like, yes, I'm right where I need to be. And then this hits. So it was a devastating time for me at first. And I thought about it. I'm older and the time that I had. So my coach and I decided not to compete at all last year just to give my body time to rest. We did some things, but just slightly and started ramping it back up in November to push my body back. So for me, it's, it's a, a blessing because I'm, like I said, I'm older and my body could use a little bit more rest because I've been, you know, been competing professionally for over 10 years. So it was a, it was a good thing for me. So I try to turn that again, turn a negative into a positive. So now um, I'm trying, my ultimate goal was to end, be retired by 2021. So I'm still on track for that, but I have to win a, a medal on top, on top of that though. So like right, I said, can't retire, can't retire empty-handed. Exactly. I don't want right. to retire empty-handed. So right now I'm just pushing my body to the maximum now to try to, to get myself back in that shape that I was in in 2020, where I felt like I was on, on track. Depending on how things play out this year, this might be it for me. This might be my retirement year. 
So I'm just uh, weighing my options, just taking it one day at a time or one month at a time or one meet at a time just to see how my body holds up. Uh, I am 34 now, but the funny thing about being 34 is Jackie Jonah Kersey broke the American record at 34. So I'm holding on to that thought that, that I am able to get this last goal that I want and that's the world record. So I'm still trying to push my body to for one more year to try to get this world record and then retire and start focusing on some things like uh, being a head track coach. It's always been one of my dreams is to be a coach, period. I've always wanted to coach. Uh, outside of coaching, I would love to do some, some entrepreneurial things in the community back home. I want to be able to uh, give back my time uh, with kids and do some other things. But my, the main goal is to be a, a coach one day. Well, I wish you all the best of luck. I am sure that we will see you at another Olympics and with another medal. But we are going to end this with a little game of rapid fire. So I'm going to say a few phrases and I want you to answer as fast as you can with the very first thing that pops into your mind. No wrong answers. I'm ready. Let's go. Bar or restaurant that you frequented most living in Oxford? Ajax, Ajax. Ajax. Love that. Okay. California or Mississippi? Mississippi all day, no. <laughs> Last thing you watched on Netflix? Bridgerton. So good. We'll have a whole nother <laughs> podcast about that next. <laughs> An Ole Miss campus building that you were in the most? FedEx building, where, where it was for like our tutoring and stuff. Watching college sports or professional sports? College. I watch Ole Miss all the time. Who should play you in a movie about your life? Tonight Lathan. You had that one on the ready. You said, yeah, yeah it's gonna she, work. Hey, I love loving basketball. She did such a great job in that. So I feel like she can she can kill what I've done. I love it. Okay, early bird or night owl? Early bird. Last time you visited Ole Miss? When I got inducted into the Hall of Fame was two years ago, about two years ago. Two years ago. So it seems like you're due for another visit. I, am, I actually am. I actually was going to come down for a football game, but COVID. So there's that. But we have next ball. We got the new schedule. Yeah, hey, it's ready. We're, we're good now. Yeah, I think we're ready now. Yeah, for sure. Well, that is all my rapid fire questions. Thank you so much. You were a pro like you are in every <laughs> I appreciate you so much for jumping on here. Before we go, go ahead and let everyone listening know where they can find you on social media, how to stay in touch. Yeah. Uh, so you can find me on Twitter and Instagram, same the LJ Beast, D-A-L-J Beast. That's why I talk to all my Ole Miss fans anyway. <laughs> all right. So all the Ole Miss fans, go ahead. If you want to talk to a real life Olympian, she's right there. Uh, yeah, for sure. I'm, I, I communicate right back. <laughs> I love that. Well, thank you so much again for jumping on here. I really appreciate it. And I am sure that all of us Ole Miss fans will see and hear from you very soon. Yeah, for sure. Thank you so much for having me. That's it for me today, guys. Thank you so much for listening. Make sure that you are subscribed wherever you get your podcasts from so you never miss out on anything I'll miss. I've got a lot of great new interviews coming up with other revs in the pros, so make sure that you don't miss out on any of those. Check back next week, and as always, hotty toddy. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. 
You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.